This is the Way Broadly Podcast. So, hello, honey. Hello. We are sitting down again for one of our little miniature episodes. We are not sitting on the floor recording at this time because we uh, don't care so much about the YouTube part (laughs) for this. No. But anyway, uh, we wanted to do this little episode, probably not even so much from our, our regular podcast listeners, but we've been getting a lot of folks from the Facebook community and from the plant medicine church community that we're working with who are starting to listen to the podcast and mm. almost just wanted to have, um, a little episode introducing you to them. Um, it's kind of interesting cause we have like our Instagram presence and all of that. And it's very curated and it's like, this is who I am. This is mm. what I do. And then when you meet someone new who hasn't followed you or hasn't seen all the other things that we're into, it's a, uh, I don't know. It's, it's a little weird thing to think about like this just identity that you curate online and then you meet someone new who hasn't seen any of that stuff mm-hmm. and they don't know the first thing about you. It's just a kind of weird thing. It is. And especially Instagram, there's, it is a yes curated because it's a very aesthetic platform. Like it's very visually appealing and people don't, most people don't read what you have to say mm-hmm. versus on a podcast, especially when you have long format conversations, you can actually say what you want to say without having to fit it into this very narrow frame of, I have X amount of characters. How can I make the most appealing mm-hmm point or the most appealing and thought-provoking caption and it's a lot of the essence gets lost and I think it's it's important that people know and most people do I think that it is like Instagram it is not reality it no. is a very not even a sliver basically out of your out of your daily life no not at all i mean even this right like we sat down we pressed record so is this reality either i don't know but i think it's a a closer facsimile to reality Mm -hmm. and how we actually are than instagram for sure yeah and what i said before on instagram it's like this is who i am this is what i do i'm reminded of a ramdas talk and i'm also reminded of how often I fucking reference these Ramdas talks, but good talks. They are phenomenal talks. But he has one where it's he's talking about this, how we wear these identities, and we're trying to sell everyone on our identity, and we're walking down the street saying or going like, "This is who I am. This is who I am. This is what I do. This is how it is. This is who I am. This is who you are." And we play this game with each other where like, I'll buy who you think you are if you'll buy who I think I am, mm. and. I guess everything that we're trying to do now is getting as far like beneath that fake layer as possible. And I think just by nature, Instagram promotes that fake layer Mm -hmm. and by nature, podcasting removes it a little bit. Um, Maybe I'm just trying to justify why I think podcasting is better than Instagram content, but. No, I would 100% agree with you because it is especially because, you know, we are producing, like we're not really relying on a platform to approve what we can and can't say Mm -hmm. where that automatically, like if you actually want to be outspoken, there's a lot of filters that you have to put on Mm -hmm. if you don't want to get deleted, if you don't want to get shadow banned, if you don't want to get kicked off the platform, which is a very, very real thing right now. So like I constantly have to be on a lookout of what, tag words can I use you know like as soon as I put out anything that has psychedelic in the caption 
like it gets like it doesn't get to any people versus if I'm just staying with yoga, everything is love and light. I don't have any provocative thoughts that could possibly mess with what the status quo right now is and what these platforms say that their status quo is mm-hmm. versus I can say whatever the, whatever the fuck I want on here because and ju- like we can. Yes, it limits that reach by talking about this stuff, but I think it's also given us this distorted image of what quote unquote good reach is, like mm-hmm. how many people you're talking to. Like if some if you make a post and it only gets 200 likes, it's like man, this was a, a unsuccessful thing, right? It failed. Mm-hmm. But if 200 people came up to you throughout the day and said like, "Hey, good job." you'd be like overwhelmed by how many people are actually interacting with you. Mm. So I was looking at just the stats on this podcast the other day and we're coming up on a thousand downloads, which is exciting. Damn. It was just 750 I know. a couple days ago. It's coming up there, Woo. but it was like 120 or 130 unique different people listening, which in the world of podcasting is nothing when you've got like Joe Rogan with millions and millions of different listeners but it's also like if i was standing in a room in front of 120 people talking it's a good chunk of people it's a lot of people yeah so if you got 120 people actually listening to what you say like that's kind of cool so thank you if you're one of the 120 people listening to this so anyway that was a nice little fucking tangent that we just went on the point of this (laughs) was to talk about you a little bit and talk about um your your medicine path a little bit Mm -hmm. where would you like to dive into that I don't know. What do you think? I think your experience with that first yoga teacher training was a unique introduction to plant medicines. And I feel like I don't even know too much about that time. I know, um, you know, you were traveling around South America. You were very lost. You were kind of running away a little bit from this life you had in Austria. You wanted to explore the world and get away from this oppressive, small-minded community back home that you didn't want to be a part of, and that led you to South America. Am I on the right track so yes, far? Yes, absolutely. Um, and then I know that you like signed up for this yoga teacher training almost on a whim. It seemed like you Absolutely. didn't really have any idea what you were getting yourself into. And you found yourself in Belize, Ecuador, in Ecuador, in Ecuador working with uh, an indigenous family, right? Who is serving you San Pedro and Huachuma. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can you tell us about those experiences and maybe tell us about where your mind was at going into it and how, where it was coming out of that experience. That is a very interesting starting point because I do think that it set the tone for pretty much everything else that came after. And that's what I'm saying. Like that was a unique introduction to these things. Absolutely. And in a lot of ways too, I often say, and I do feel that way where there's life before and after ayahuasca, but I would have never found ayahuasca if it had I feel like that was honestly the event that really set the tone for everything else because looking like at the time I didn't know that but looking back just having found that in that container with these people with those experiences gave me such a different foundation from which to jump off into the psychedelic space so where I was at at the time was a little over, it was like five and a half years ago now. I 
I was very lost in the sense that I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't have a spiritual practice. I was very atheist, mm-hmm. more in the sense, like I was open to the idea, like there's something else out there, but I had never had any deeper experiences. And I was very anxious most of the time. I was disassociating a lot in many different ways from alcohol to surrounding myself with people at all times, seeking affection in relationships, both romantic and platonic ones. And the thought of sitting with myself or getting to know my own mind absolutely terrified me. And I was insanely uncomfortable as soon as there was not noise around me. And I signed up for this training because a friend of mine had told me that there's that she did a training and she had a she had a good experience and I just randomly I went on like a retreat website and I just typed in like one month yoga teacher training hmm. and I was open to literally any place in the world um and I found this training in Ecuador and it was like three months out I think or four months out and I knew it was in Ecuador at the time I was living in Costa Rica and I was like okay so I'm just gonna sign up for this I've done yoga a handful of times I have no spiritual practice but I'm just gonna do this because I don't know what else to do and if nothing else I was thinking teaching yoga would give me an opportunity to continue traveling essentially indefinitely Mm -hmm. and have a little bit of a physical practice because when you're traveling you can't or like I couldn't really go on runs a lot because it was either too hot or too unsafe and just not a right environment for that it was one of the only things that gave me any way of processing and kind of like being with myself. So when that was taken away during that time, like I noticed that I would like fall into these like pits because I didn't really have an outlet for anything. So instead I disassociated even more and, you know, kind of fell deeper into that. Um, But I made my way to Ecuador and it just, something called me to it. And it was at this beautiful retreat center in the Andes, about an hour south of Cuenca in the south of Ecuador. Mm-hmm. And on that training, I was really, because it was a month and it was a very small group. It was a big, um, a big space. And even though we had lots of like a really packed schedule every day with yoga twice a day, like three hours of yoga, an hour and a half of meditation, all of these philosophies, there was still a lot of time to sit with yourself. And I really did. But what was cool about this one is that, and I had no idea when I signed up, it wasn't really advertised as that, but the family that uh, ran this retreat or this, this teacher training, they are Ecuadorian, but lived in Canada for most of their life. But Mm they all had experiences with plant medicine and it really, as a family, because Mm. it was a mother and a father and then like all their kids were involved one way or another in this training Um, and in the school. It's called Om Healing Center in Cuenca. Shout Mm. out to to them. (laughs) Um, But what they did was on the first week, they introduced us basically to, we're going to work with a 
uh, shaman family that are in from around this area. And so they came in. It was a guy, Alejo, and his wife, Monica. And at the time, they had two kids. I think the boy was five and the girl two. But they would come in every week and we did happy ceremonies and we had Temescal, so the sweat lodges, and mm -hmm. they would sing and I do speak some Spanish so I could talk to them. And just the way that they, because I'd never experienced anything like that. I'd never sat in any sort of like ceremonial way. I'd done just like mushrooms and a fuckload of coke in South America, but like there was nothing ceremonial. There was nothing spiritual to any of it. And they introduced me to this way of medicine being something so sacred mm -hmm. and so intentional and where you could feel the love and the reverence that they had for it. And it was especially just being in that container for a month and working with them every week because mm -hmm. they would come back um, was incredibly profound so what was that like, those first ceremonies that you had, even if it was just the hape, which is not really psychoactive in the traditional sense, mm -hmm. but what was that like for you? I thought it was interesting just that that is a thing. Um, like I said, I didn't have a spiritual practice or believed in anything really. And I was just fascinated with, oh, this is a part of the culture because mm -hmm. I, I feel like I really got to know... Um, more indigenous people of the countries that I was visiting, which up until that point I hadn't really done. Mm -hmm. Like I knew, you know, like I know a lot about the Maya, know a lot about different cultures in, in South America and Central America, but I hadn't really interacted on a very regular basis with them and gotten to know them. So part of it was just like a cool, like anthropological mm -hmm. uh, education. For yeah, you. absolutely. Yeah. And I think it was just the, the combination of the yoga where there was something that it did crack me open, but I also in, at that time, I wasn't really ready to receive a lot of it. So the San Pedro ceremony, for example, they did, it was overnight, an entire night around a fire um, out under the stars. It was beautiful, an amazing setting. And there were four directions. So you could drink four times. And I made it to the third cup and the fourth one I set out because I was getting to a point of actually sitting with something really uncomfortable and I was just not in a space for it. I was not ready. And it was me trying to really run away from my mind in a way. But I... But it's still like this, like it's just stuck with me so much just with the setting and... um being in that space that had a really profound impact on me because when I experienced that, like that set the bar of this is what it should be like. So I never settled for, oh, I'm just going to do whatever yeah. in like someone's fucking basement or, you know, so whatever. This leads me to an interesting question, which I, I don't actually have a great answer to yet. So don't feel like you need to have a perfect answer, mm -hmm. but I think this is something that we should actually continue thinking about, which is why is the ceremony important and why is the tradition of how these things are used important? Cause we can agree that like doing ayahuasca in Peru with the Shipibo people on their land is very different 
than doing it in some dude's apartment in New York. Right. Mm -hmm. But why? Like what, what is it about that that makes that such a more profound experience? Can you explain that or describe that at all? I can for me probably and what I think about it. Go for it. When you, when I think of completely independent of psychedelics, but when I think of my life, when I didn't believe in anything and I was, I was having an experience, I was doing a lot of cool things. I did travel quite a bit, but nothing of it had depth and meaning to me. I didn't feel fulfilled. I felt inwardly very lonely and very lost. And having found faith and having found spirituality, essentially, like where I really believe with all of my heart and soul in this. And it does give me personally a lot of, a lot of peace because I know that there's so much and we're so held and we are very divinely protected and guided overall, which doesn't mean that life's not fucking hard at times and sucks. But the difference between that and me, I think is the difference between I do ayahuasca from some dude who shipped this to me and I'm doing it in a living room in LA with a fucking radio on with pre-recorded Icaros where it's like, yes, I can have an experience or, you know, just randomly without putting any intention, without thinking about it at all, just over and over like tripping and maybe being in, I don't know, maybe even like unsafe situations and you have the ceremony where you are paying respect to not only the people that have held these traditions because when you see how much it helps people like in the ceremony, it's insane. I mean, and that is a huge part of it. I think it's not a woo. It is, there's a reason why they have that. There's a reason why they've worked with these medicines for hundreds, if not thousands of years. There's a reason why they do things that they do because it works. And it's not a thing of like, this is an opinion that I have. It's just actually how it is. Like the difference is is depth and meaning for sure and sustainability too because there's it's easy to get lost in i'm just taking a drug and i'm using this as a disassociative because you can do that with everything or i'm committing to this experience i am respecting myself enough to really work with these plants to make the journey to be uncomfortable and you actually work for it like you're not just using it as something to maybe in the moment help you but ultimately disassociate you more and I'm willing to put in the work as well and I'm willing to make the changes and I think that is the difference between ceremony and not because it is it is more work to commit to something like that because I can just say oh yeah Friday night I'm gonna go to an ayahuasca circle cool like I don't prepare like there's no dieta it's like fine you know I can do it you will get it's, you know, it's a chemical, it's a, not a chemical, but it has a chemical reaction on your brain mm -hmm. and it is a medicine. So if you drink it, something will happen. Mm -hmm. But just the setting of, you know, even if it is like around you, but to seek someone out to do, like put a little bit more work in and to really respect the whole process, the way that you, your mindset going into that is vastly different than the convenience of, you know, 
it's not really different than I'm gonna go to the movies mm-hmm. on Friday. And some people use it like that, and you know that's that's fine if it works for them. But that's my tangent on. No, that was going great. Into that. that was great. Thank I do you. feel very passionate about this, if you can tell. I know, and and I do too. But I'm realizing this is kind of like I asked you the other day, like, okay, why is it good for veterans to work with ayahuasca? How does it actually help mm-hmm. them? And we both know that it does, but we can't. It's like Einstein. I think it was Einstein said, if you can't explain something to a five-year-old, mm-hmm. you don't really understand it yourself. Yeah. And I guess I'm realizing the more that we talk about these things, the less I deeply understand yeah. why and understand how and understand what makes what makes the tradition and the ceremony so special and so important. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think this is just something that I need to just maybe spend more time reflecting on Yeah, because we are now these huge proponents for these things. And I I want to have a great explanation for it. Mm -hmm. So thank you for sharing your thoughts. Um, all right. I think we should wrap it up here. We've both got some other stuff to do. Mm-hmm. We actually just sat down to record this because the power was out. So we couldn't do any <laughs> of our other work. Yeah. Uh, power's back on now. So thank you for sharing, um, a little bit about your mm-hmm. introduction with plant medicines and why this is important. And I hope that this was a interesting to listen to and be somewhat valuable for someone who's maybe new to the medicine path or new to seeking this level of depth and purpose from the use of psychedelics. So thank you as always for listening. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.